Today on the Guide to Movies podcast, it is a brand new year, and 2022 is giving us a Morbius delay. Paul Feige fighting with Sony over the Ghostbusters. Some uh, renewed fuel fuel in the fire, is that how you say it? Between uh, Dwayne Johnson and Vin Diesel. And then we're hearing that there might be a Jigsaw return in the Saw franchise as Chris Evans is about to play Gene Kelly. A lot of random stories that we're going to touch on today, and we're going to talk a little bit about Liam Neeson to get stuff going. On the other side of this... The Guy at the Movies podcast with Joe and Sean. Change the game just now. I have a rave. These are the best ideas I've ever heard. <laughs> Seth Rogen can't I'm saying that that's, that's the commentary that will exist. Oh, Barbie girl in a Barbie world. It's filed. Oh, my God. Welcome to the Guide to Movies podcast with Joe and Sean. I am Joe. He is Sean. And we are joined by a very special guest today, Nick's Flicks Fix. Do you know how many times I practice saying that today, Nick? I'm sure heaps. And it's always the thing that I get the most flack for is like, why do you have a tongue twister for a name? Uh, <laughs> and I just like being annoying, I guess. That's the... <laughs> I love that's that. I subscribe to that. We're very happy to have you here from the other side of the world. Uh, it is your morning there. It is our frigid yes. evening here. Uh, Sean, how are you doing? I'm great. I'm changing my name now to Maths Teachers Movies and see if that goes the same. Like, you know, I don't think it'll have the same effect, but maybe it could. Um... I'm into it. I'm into it. <laughs> Um, it certainly shouldn't be I can handle technology movies or something because you trying to show your camera or show me on screen with your camera and stuff was not really working out. Listen, based on the way angles work, that should have worked. I was holding a phone in front of a computer screen. It should have showed everything, but apparently it's not working that way. Do you teach geometry? I don't teach geometry. Geometry is a garbage math subject. Let's just say that. As, as a math teacher, it is slowly getting erased. Algebra is winning the war. And like geometry is like, oh, cool, a little bit of trig. And then like, you know, we handle that in pre-cal anyway. I'm going too deep. Don't don't do this to me. Nick, get ready this? in like four years when there's like an algebra, a movie all about like algebra and the lost art of geometry. And Sean's like, yes! <laughs> didn't, isn't, isn't geometry the main thing that happened in that mirror dimension in No Way Home? Aren't we seeing a resurgence in geometry? Good point. Okay, like, How that's did Tom Hopkins learn that in the city schools? It was the golden spiral. He could learn that in an eighth grade math project. This is all like, you know, the, our little MIT, our future MIT guy here. Oh, oh spoiler man. alert, he didn't get in. <laughs> I, you know, he, he got a sewing machine. He's good. Yeah, he ended up with a sewing machine. All was good. Uh, how were your New Year's? Nick, did you have a good New Year's? I did. I did. We, uh, we rung in the new year. Actually, we did a murder mystery party, me and my friends. Oh, nice. That was a lot of fun. It was very fun. So, and then of course, alcohol is consumed and January 1st was a write-off. So it was great. I had a really good time. That's awesome. And then alcohol was consumed and you actually murdered someone is what you're saying. <laughs> and then, yeah. And now we're in a real murder investigation. <laughs> Uh, so 2022 can only go up from here. <laughs> the guy at the movies podcast and all associated individuals do not condone the actions of Netflix <laughs> fix. Uh, Sean, how was yours? I know it was a little rough from what you said. 
So it was, it was, it started off lovely. We went up to Vermont um, and uh, you know, it was uh, me and the wife's sort of mini moon type of a uh, situation. And uh, you know, the two of us started feeling a little bit, you know, uh, rough. Um, we did not test uh, positive for COVID. We both made sure, but um, you know, both of us like didn't really like feel that great. So we canceled our new year's plans. And as we're going to, as I'm going to mention later, we ended up watching the lost daughter on new year's <laughs> Eve. And then we ended up both kind of looking at our cell phones and being like, Oh, it's 1201. <laughs> 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 it was, you know, no, no murder mystery on this side of the corner. Totally understand that. I was over at my brother's. We had like a taco day thing. Wait, 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 Joe. How was your New Year's Eve? <laughs> it was delightful <laughs> and quiet. We um we went over to my brother's. Oh, I asked what time dinner was. I was like, what time are we getting together? And they were like, 3.30. I was like, but the mid- midnight. Like, what? Um, what are we going to eat after that? <laughs> yeah. And it just so happened that the night before, I hadn't slept at all. Like, it was one of those. I don't know if you've ever had one of those nights where you just lay there the whole time and you're like, oh, cool. So I'm exhausted, but... I'm now thinking about like my finances and how I'm going to do that. And that one time in third grade when that girl said, that, you know, it was one of those nights. And so I was exhausted and I was trying to nap before it went over. But then we had to go over at the ass crack of dawn. Um, but yeah, so we we kind of just hung out. Um, not much. Not many drinks were consumed. We were back at my parents place by 10. Uh, my dad went to bed and my mom and I just sat there. <laughs> it was the most peaceful New Year's I've had in quite a long time. I don't hate it, to be honest. Not bad. But hey, the good news is I bring you all a gift in the form of our first trailer of the year here. Uh, it originally was going to be the ice. It, was it the Ice Age adventure of Buckwild? Yeah, a Buckwild. They just mixed that up. They're just they? truly like doing like word salads of titles now. <laughs> and I, really think that, I really think they changed that name at some point. Like it was always like Adventures of Buckwild, but now it's like all flip. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> anyway, Briarcliff Entertainment shared uh, a new trailer with the one, the only, Liam Neeson today. Uh, and it is time that we bless our 2022 the proper way with Briar- Liam Neeson's new movie, Blacklight. Briarcliff Entertainment sounds like a shell that you're just like funneling money through. <laughs> That's not a real company. <laughs> like, how does Liam Neeson get all these movies? <laughs> <laughs> through Briarcliff Entertainment. <laughs> not real it's not real all right well here we go let's watch uh and we shall enjoy this wonderful film right the song i told you one day you wake up and realize you're not sure who the good guys are anymore you're a federal agent involved in a secret fbi program off the books what kind of bad stuff do you do breaking and entering physical coercion you name it, I've probably done it. Murder? Not on my menu. Grandpa! Gabe, I've been thinking. Maybe it's time I hang it up. No. Travis. Not enough. I know I wasn't a great father, but I'd like to be the best grandfather I can be. Natalie doesn't need a fixer like you. I've been writing about the story for over a year. The United States government is killing innocent civilians under the guise of protecting democracy. Under whose orders? The director of the FBI. Hey, the guy. I have to die for you to stop looking the other way. 
You need to come clean, Kate. You're confused about our relationship. You are my weapon. You work for me. Count me out. You show me a little gratitude if you want a normal life. My end is now. Where's my family? If I find out you had anything to do with my granddaughter disappearing, you're gonna need a man. He's still on show. You'll be finished before that day is over. Everything I did was for you. Are you really gonna shoot me, Travis? Yes, I will. <laughs> The guy that edited this trailer wasn't an Ed Hardy guy. I want to pee. Alright, I have to say I'm slightly more intrigued than I thought I would be. Oh, God, what's the yeah. black light? Like, what's the black light? That's the one thing. There's no black light involved. Like, we thought it was going to be a like a very awkward scene in a hotel room where he has to like, you know, try right. to find like solve clues through a black light, but apparently not. <laughs> well, I'm synopsis- kind of upset. There wasn't a shot of a motel room and him going around sort of going, <laughs> like, here's the synopsis. Oh, I think well, we black- got it. <laughs> black light's not mentioned until the end. at the very end. It says now block. Ne- His name is block, by the way, Travis block. Um, now Block right. needs to rescue the people he loves and expose the truth for a shot at redemption. Nothing and no one is safe when secrets are hidden in black light. <laughs> oh, shut up. That was in one yes. word. Are you kidding? <laughs> like, yes. There's a black light, which is a one word thing. And that was what was shown in the title. And then it's like, in that situation is black light. And I think that like they're they going- capitalized it too. Yeah. <laughs> Also, there are some very interesting things going on. There is a mistrust in government. There was, by the way, I saw it very clearly. I don't know if you guys saw it, but a um, a pickup truck decked out in a lot of bumper stickers and a don't tread on me flag and everything like yeah. that yeah. that got completely like run over. And I don't know what message that is. It could be either one. <laughs> like, I don't know where this goes. <laughs> You'll have to find out on February 11, 2022 in American theaters. Oh, oh wait, good. It's Valentine's Day. There we go. <laughs> Perfect for this. They, they didn't put wait, it's it's going up against Marry Me. <laughs> and then the law remember I was saying the Lost City was the one they should have put this weekend, but they're like, no, 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 Blacklight's gonna be there. Liam Neeson. <laughs> but actually, Liam Neeson probably draws older couples. Like my Liam parents Neeson will yeah. Liam draw people. Liam Neeson will draw people to the theater. This is gonna make like a decent amount of they'll make maybe their money back. <laughs> like maybe. But it's, I look it's at this the movie. It, oh, sorry. I was gonna, it's the movie for the the Chad on the date night who's like, oh, yeah. "Hey, babe, let's go to the movies." <laughs> Liam Neeson's got a movie out, and then he thinks it's a romantic date night. <laughs> that's too blacklight. That's exactly <laughs> how it's going to make its money. Yeah. Hey, I, listen. Uh, like I said, I'm more intrigued than I have been with other Liam Neeson movies in recent memory. Um, <laughs> Anytime you throw like a political vibe in it where it's like the government's working against you, I'm like, yes, let's do it. Uh, I, I love those movies. So I don't know. You still get the stupid lines of like, you're not going to shoot me, are you? Yes, I am. <laughs> 
It oh, seems man. like there's elements from all his past movies in there, like oh, God, yes. da- kidnapped daughter <laughs> from Taken, and then like unknown. There's a sort of like the government plot. Like it's, <laughs> this is just like almost like the Liam Neeson Avengers <laughs> sort of like all his movies accumulating into one. I do enjoy Drives the truck. They, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they set up for like an hour or an hour, a minute and a half of like, oh, it's probably this guy from the FBI that's going to be the bad guy. Then his family goes missing and he's like, if I find out you had something to do with this, <laughs> like, <laughs> who else was it? It's him. <laughs> Let me shine alert. my black light on you just in case you're innocent. <laughs> if there's a point in this movie where he's like this with a black light for like five minutes trying to find a code or something, all about it. Maybe the daughter, the granddaughter, wrote in like something on the wall, uh, and the only way he finds it is with blacklight. If not, that's a good sequel. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> all right, let's talk about something different here and jump into something that premiered last week. I believe we all watched the first episode. Nick, I didn't ask you. I probably should have. Yes. Okay. Good. I watched it. Awesome. So the book of Boba Fett debuted last week, and I was bored shitless. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I, yep. I just got to tell you, but um, you know, you finally get the explanation of how he escaped when uh, the sand thing and the it was like, pit. Not as remarkable as I thought it would be. It was no. kind of like flamethrower. Air, flamethrower. <laughs> <laughs> He's in there for like two minutes. And you're like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Well, <laughs> wait, and what's the man? I'm really showing my lack of Star Wars uh, knowledge here, but that giant th- the the. Who said the Jabawakis? Is that oh. the <laughs> dance group? The Jab. Wait, the Jawas? Jawas? The Jawas are the little dudes. They're getting a lot of play in these series. Oh yeah. Well, they're. I mean, they're junk traders, man. They're they're always around all the deserts. Nick, start us off. What did you think of the episode? I when I opened Disney Plus and I saw it was like thirty seven minutes, <laughs> I immediately went, "Oh, okay. This is going to be like what an opening scene should be." To the whole series and that's kind of what we got kind of got i guess the funniest reaction i saw i can't remember who tweeted about it but they wrote the brochure of boba fett and i was like <laughs> that makes sense i was like that makes complete sense to me it's not really that dense like i don't know any more about boba fett than i knew before it's the court scene was fun where everyone's like coming and talking to him i was like there's some nostalgia here but yeah i'm the same i was like i'll keep watching yeah. but i hope it gets better yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. Sean, what did you think? Um, I did sort of like this more than most people, but every single criticism is 100% earned. This is a setup episode. This is 100% we're setting up like how this guy wants to rule in the present day and also how he, you know, got out of the pit and how he got to where he was at the Mandalorian. I think that when you have those two stories and you're not focusing on a single one, it gets a little wonky and it's tough to really care about one or the other, um, especially because they're both setup stories. So we're really yeah. going back and forth and that got a little bit uh, difficult. Um, I want to hear about how he's like chilling with the, uh, you know, the sand people. I don't know their official name. Um, and uh, the um, I also want to hear about how he's going to be rising as a uh, someone on the throne or the criminal throne, if you will, and how he handles the <laughs> the mayor of Tatooine. <laughs> really, they just went with the word mayor. <laughs> like the, the show was like really, they just they definitely, without a doubt, had mayor in the script, and they're like change later. Never yeah. <laughs> <laughs> changed it. <laughs> Um, you're talking about the Tuscan Raiders when you reference the sand. Mm, people. Thank you. Sand people is the improper term. I have to I have to correct myself on that kind of thing. 
I totally, I'm, I'm agreeing with you as well with your recognition of the criticisms and um, sort of where this could go based on what they set up. I think one of the things for me that I had an issue with was stylistically, it looks like the Mandalorian. Like mm. it, they didn't really do anything different to really set this no. apart. And that was frustrating to me. I didn't think it would be. Um, and maybe I, my expectations were too high or were somewhere else, but it, it just looks like they took the Mandalorian sets and they're like, all right, let's go this way. Now Boba Fett, yeah. <laughs> you know, but hey. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it literally does feel like the Mandalorian. I mean, you know, the guy's, the guy's got a mask with the exception of this guy takes off his mask a few more times and he doesn't cry about it when he does. And <laughs> I, think... I also have an issue with that mask, by the way. They did a camera shot through the mask at one point there is no fucking way he's seeing out of that mask no. when he's fighting people did you catch that it was the thinnest tape i've like ever this. seen i was like how has he got perfect peripheral battle vision yeah when he can like, barely see in front of him yeah it's like half of his eye stupid <laughs> stupid 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 all right well moving on i one thing i i did watch that i enjoyed was uh harry the harry potter reunion special so I, I don't know what your both of you uh, your relationships are with Harry Potter, but I remember growing up reading the books and the movies. I was reading the books as the movies came out, just like everyone else was. Um, maybe like two years before or three years before the books. I don't know where coming out. Uh, but anyway, it was it was a series that I, me and my friends, really were into. I remember at midnight going to get the books. It was like a big thing. We were all waiting in line to get into the bookstore. You had to pre-order. It was crazy. Um, and they make this comment during the actual reunion special that it uh, the series reinvigorated reading and books for a whole generation, which is actually kind of cool to think about because I think it did. Um, I was extremely excited for the Harry Potter reunion and I am very happy that it paid off. It was, I thought it was really well done. Um, it, it was very nostalgic. They did a great job of touching on sort of the, the growth of not only the characters, um, but the actors themselves throughout the series. You got some juicy tidbits there about like, you know, strong friendships like Tom Felton and Emma Watson were apparently really good friends the whole series. Um, you also found out that Emma Watson was going to walk away. Uh, I think the fifth movie she was thinking about it and um, surprised we didn't hear more of that. Um, but also just like, you know, some delightful things with Helena, Helena Bonham Carter and uh, Daniel Radcliffe. Daniel Radcliffe wrote a letter to her back in the day that essentially said, like, if I was 10 years older. <laughs> you know it's just like really fun she actually brought like a lot of the humor to the special yeah um i i have to be critical because that's what we do um but you know part of what bothered me was they didn't really touch on albus dumbledore much outside of richard harris who played him in the first mm. two movies um you know there's michael gambon gambon yeah. uh, i know he couldn't probably be involved he's uh he's been public about memory issues that he's having um and he's, he's old, but I just, you know, Maggie Smith wasn't involved. Yeah. Um, just some, yeah. some notable exemptions that were, uh, I don't know, exceptions, I should say, that were uh, really unfortunate. Um, J.K. Rowling was barely involved. She wasn't involved. She, they used old footage, which I think was the right mm -hmm. move. Um, but yeah, just wanted a little bit more there. Um, but I will say that, you know, if they came out and they said, hey, we have an idea for a ninth movie with these three. I would be like, oh my God, do it right away. Uh, Sean, did you watch this? I know Sam did. So that's the thing. Sam did, but uh, she uh, she watched it in our uh, bedroom TV while I was in the living room TV. 
And then there was also the guest room TV that no one was watching because there was only two people in the house. Um, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> thanks for that. <laughs> and so I, I, I would have watched it, but uh, she watched it, and then I was like, okay, so we've we've gone too far. I can't. I just like I can't watch this now. Um, and uh, I guess I could go back and watch it, and I might. Um, instead, what we did is we ended up watching the uh, you know just to deviate slightly, but we ended up watching the two Fantastic Beast movies. Um, in preparation for number three, um, those are interesting, but uh, I won't talk about those now. <laughs> like we'll we'll maybe have a pod about those or something. But yeah, those are they're, they're cool. I don't know. They're they're fun. <laughs> but, I think my reaction when I saw that you watched them was, oh no, <laughs> <laughs> it's not as bad as you think. I was I was yeah. <laughs> Do you agree that the second one's a bit of a mess? Oh, I, I don't know. The second one was kind of cool. <laughs> like I, I think I'm, I think no, everyone. Yeah, everyone kind of hates the second one, and I think it's also bad. But um, there's some cool, there's some cool stuff towards yeah. the end that I really liked, and so uh, I'm. It got me very excited for the third, which now, like between that trailer and everything, I'm now very yeah. in on the third one. Look at you! Look at that! We call Look that at- cinematic growth. Uh, Nick, how did you feel about <laughs> the reunion? I I like Harry Potter. I didn't didn't grow up watching them or reading them. I only watched them probably for the first time maybe ten years ago, like in the lead up to Deathly Hallows Part Two. So I have no like nostalgic connection to it. But my partner and her best friend does, and they were both watching it. And I kind of did that. Walked past the TV. I'll stand here for a minute. I'll go do some chores. Now you walk back. I'm like start like sitting down slowly, and you're like, yeah, I'll stay for a little bit longer. I end up watching. The whole thing and it made me want to watch them again i think they yeah. captured that sort of how much fun it was on set for a lot of people and and how uh they treated it a bit more like a, a for a kid's playground ultimately these kids just come in and have the time of their lives and pretend to be a to wizards and whatnot for a, for 10 well, 10 years almost they said but i think with the Maggie Smith and, and Michael Gambon stuff, it was it was weird to me as well because of how much they focused on um, Richard Harris as the first Dumbledore. And I was like, oh, so as they progress, because they tell the movie in chapters, they split them up based on sort of the how Harry Potter grows throughout the films. And I was like, oh, so we'll find out as... And then, yeah, nothing in there. I was a bit so weird. shocked, yeah. But I, I enjoyed the special. It just made me want to watch them again, to be totally yeah. honest, yeah. Well, Maggie Smith, they let her out only uh, for like three to four uh, days out of the cryogenic freezer uh, to do the Downton Abbey movie. And then it's just like, do, 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 something sassy. And then they just bring her back in. <laughs> um, did Who you would have thought that? that Downton Abbey money would have beat that HBO Max money <laughs> in 2022? <laughs> <laughs> That's a sticker right there. <laughs> um regarding how they treated the set and stuff, someone tweeted something and I'm trying to find it real quick, but I can't. So I'll try to recall it. Uh, But it essentially said um, one of the biggest takeaways from the, uh, the reunion special is that the adults that were on set should be commended for crafting a set that was supportive and didn't turn out psychopaths and problematic children actors. It's quite crazy when you think about it. I mean, aside from, I mean, granted, Daniel Radcliffe did go do a Broadway show right after where he was like showing everything. Um, <laughs> it, was art. Like, it was art. It was art. Man's an artist. Yeah, it wasn't OnlyFans or anything. But um, he, 
Um, that's next. That's next. On the yeah. And aside from, was it Crab or Goyle, the one that was like caught selling weed during the Crab? <laughs> yeah, there was. It was not. Yeah. Um, but if that's the worst thing you were caught doing as a kid on the set of Harry Potter, you turned out all right. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> I think I went to school with six kids who were selling weed, so they're, they're doing all right. <laughs> I think Disney I went to shit. school with six kids that weren't selling weed. <laughs> <laughs> Disney is shaking in their boots because all their uh, all their old child stars turned out. <laughs> um, did you hear about the mistake in the documentary or in the special? I Ooh. did. Yeah, the Emma Roberts photo. Yeah. <laughs> so instead of a young picture yes. of Emma Watson, they showed a picture of Emma Roberts. Uh, and yes. Here it is. <laughs> but that's actually Emma. Ro- Look at this. That's amazing. Guys, help me! That's literally Emma Roberts. <laughs> So that was kind of crazy. Um, Sean, you have had quite the, um, I would say, downer of movies that you've been watching. Um, unless you're about to tell me that you love this one movie <laughs> that I didn't care for. But go ahead. What have you been watching? Well, so let's first get the downer out of the way. And then the other one is only a kind of downer. We'll, we'll talk. Um, but uh, with me, uh, The Lost Daughter was uh, one that um, it's it's starting to grade me as critics and uh, like critics just start to love it more and more because then I'm like, what am I missing? What am I missing? But this movie, The Lost Daughter, um, first of all, let me just say Maggie Gyllenhaal, amazing director, amazing debut with her direction. Really excited to see what she does next. Creates a really cool thriller that really did excite me in the beginning. But then this message just turns kind of awful and parenting is terrible and it's redeemable if you want to leave your kids. Now I've heard other takes that this is specifically for motherhood. And as someone who is not, is currently not and never going to be taking on that role. Okay. So maybe I, you know, should not be looking at it that way. And maybe I should be looking at it a little bit less general, but it does bother me that, you know, by the end of this, the problems I have with, first of all, the ambiguity of it all, which is just like it feels like this film just dives off a cliff, um, but the ambiguity of it all. And then also just the fact that the the morality of the main character and really the other characters in it just doesn't really feel right at all. And I'm sort of left spinning by the end of it. And I, I really just felt left in the lurch for The Lost Daughter. So that was one that really did disappoint me. But once again, Visually looks great. Hall, amazing. Oh, also, I didn't even say Olivia Coleman. Oh, let's just do. When do we stop saying Olivia Coleman is a spectacular actress and just accept that we'll just call it Olivia Coleman? Olivia Coleman did Olivia Coleman. Spectacular actress again. We're done. Like, because it just always is there. And especially in this, it's unbelievable. This might be one of her best. Oh, it's so good. Can I, uh, um, tr- uh, Nick, have you seen this movie? Yes, I have. Yeah. Okay. So, spoiler for those listening. So, if you don't want a spoiler, um, you know, five, four, three, two, one. When she steals that doll, that was when I was like, what are we doing here? That's when I was in. I was like, this movie's awesome. (laughs) Sean, I don't know if you remember, we talked about this, I think, like, maybe I messaged you about it. I said at one point that some, maybe I said it in the review, <laughs> something happens at one point that really rubbed me the wrong way. And I couldn't, I was like, I'm not going to say it because it's a spoiler. It's that, that was just so right. odd to me, but I do agree with what you're saying that other people are saying. I do think that it is uh, it, the movie probably is received differently from those who have struggled mm-hmm. with, especially young motherhood. Uh, yeah. that, that was kind of fascinating. Hit us with your other one. Uh, all right, so this one, here we go, because it's starting to grow on me as I go. Licorice Pizza, um, 
let's just say, Joe, I know you were not a fan of this movie, and I, I understand your dislike. And I do. I truly do. Um, I am also more of a PTA loyalist. Um, however, my loyalism was questioned with this movie. Parent-teacher was- association? Yes. Um, <laughs> oh, actually, wait, definitely not. <laughs> um, Paul Thomas Anderson, for those at home. Um, and I truly, truly love Paul Thomas Anderson movies. This one put me to a test that was very strange. When he tries to do straight up comedy like this, it gets a little bit weird. It gets a little bit meandering. This did not have a three act structure. This was going by a slice of lifestyle. And therefore, by the end, I'm like, okay, 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 come on. Safty's in there now? What is going on? Now we've got a Safty in here. Now a Safty. And then I'm thinking, I'm like, all right, there's more and more of this. And, you know, it was a fine two hour movie. It did, but it felt long because what it kept on doing was it kept on introducing these new, smaller stories and these smaller adventures, which were so much fun, which were a blast, which had me laughing. And yet it's like, almost make this like a 10 episode Netflix series or something where you go through these adventures. Um, I will also say just like the last one, Maggie Gyllenhaal made a beautiful movie, Paul Thomas Anderson, beautiful movie. I mean, the one shot of the gas line to David Bowie's life on Mars is just like something that's really great. And, you know, there's nostalgia, not that I had to suffer through the gas crisis, but like, you know, there's a nostalgia of not having a car. There's a nostalgia of walking everywhere, biking anywhere, uh, having a friend that's driving you everywhere. Um, You know, this sort of rung true with uh, Linklater uh, with Dazed and Confused. Um, And there were like those elements that were there. I don't know what my rating is for this one yet. I had it at a C and the more I thought about it, the more I thought, boy, I really, I kind of like this a little bit more. It's a B. I, I do promise it'll probably never be an A just because it really does have those imperfections that bother me. Um, but there, there, there's, there's some cool stuff here. It's a, it's an interesting PTA film without a doubt. I'm How are you feeling? You okay. <laughs> I was so bored. Nick, what did you think of Licorice Pizza? <laughs> I really liked it. It was it was number 20 in my top 20 uh, of the year. Uh, I see. It's funny because when you were just saying, Sean, about um, there not really being a narrative structure, how it's a bunch of events, I kind of praised the movie for that. I was like, I think out of any director, Paul Thomas Anderson can probably get away with that because he makes those events so interesting. But weirdly enough, and I, I always get called out for being, you know, uh, hypocritical on these things i i critiqued french dispatch for doing the exact same thing yeah and i didn't like french dispatch as much um i didn't hate french dispatch but when i think about it that's a movie that's strung a whole lot of events together in a non-narrative form and that's a, kind of exactly what licorice pizza is i think <laughs> licorice pizza gives you enough uh, gives you more time to get to know the characters i think alana Haim gave like the best debut performance I've seen in a long time. And then Cooper Hoffman, there was so many shots that I was just watching. I was like, that is a young Philip Seymour Hoffman like that to me. I I think I was lost in that a little bit, which definitely may have affected the rating, but you know, if that's the intention of the movie, that's how it wants to make me feel. Then it won. It manipulated me. Can I tell you that sports radio in Philadelphia area was talking about licorice pizza for some reason. And (laughs) someone, (laughs) With with all the leagues going out with COVID, it's been a really tough time. For the furthest, the absolute furthest two things. <laughs> they were like, uh, "This is one no of baseball Cooper. zero stars." Yeah, they're like, "This is one of Bradley Cooper's best performances," and blah blah. blah. <laughs> and then my dad was telling me about it. He's like, "How good is he in it?" I'm like, "He's in it for five minutes." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
So here's, I'll tell you this, 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 you'll love this. I, I genuinely thought licorice pizza was ending. I thought it was like the final thing and it was, uh, the credits were happening. And then all of a sudden I see the white suit and I'm like, oh yeah, we haven't even seen Cooper yet. <laughs> I, I realized I was like, oh, wait, that's a problem with this movie. That's, that might be an issue with this. Um, I will say just to like put it on there. Uh, yeah. Cooper Hoffman is kind of unbelievably great in this. Cause it's yeah. this weird character that's, overconfident but also you know just like you know slowly insecure underneath like most you know teenagers um but you see this well-timed comedy with him that i've i've yeah. never even seen with uh philip seymour hoffman the the talent agent scene which is probably one of my favorite oh scenes. my it god is, that was amazing yeah he he is barely saying anything and his interactions <laughs> his facial expressions are wonderful um it like it's truly great. A lot of Heim is also great. I will say there is a bit of a narrative structure in here now that I think about it. And mm. you know, it but it just meanders. Like it is just these yeah, two yeah. sort of finding each other, him always being a hustler at this one place, which I think has like a permanent sign that says Big Daddy's. So they have to call it Big Daddy's Pinball or Big Daddy's <laughs> Which is <laughs> which is great. Like there, there's 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 like this charm where like you know, I see you, Paul Thomas Anderson, but uh it <laughs> It, it, I, I, it meanders. That's my, that's my big issue. There's, I, I recently saw, I can't remember who did it. Uh, it might've been a YouTube video, but it's sort of Paul Thomas Anderson's progression of his career mm -hmm. at the moment. And how, even with things like Phantom Thread as a bit of a darker comedy, he's sort of going into a bit more of a, I guess, later stage of life sort of, you know, and, and I see it, but I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not against more movies yeah. like this, but I think I'd like to see some, Traditional PTA again soon. Some boogie nights. Some Magnolia. he looks like a serial killer. He, he looking PTA. at him. Yeah, he just kind of has yeah. this his, this aura to him where he's just like a normal looking guy, and then it just like opens his eyes, and it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, and he's like, I'm gonna make a movie about young love. It's like I haven't slept in 18 days. <laughs> this, what's your next movie? It's about young love. <laughs> oh, so two young kids fall in love. Well, <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> Anyway, uh, Nick, what have you been watching? So I, I guess like all of us, the screenings are sort of slowed down a bit before mm. Christmas and there's not really many new movies to watch. So I just rewatched all the Scream movies yeah. before uh, the new one comes out. Can't wait. I'm very excited. <laughs> Obviously, fingers crossed there's no release date pushes. Knock on wood. Uh, yeah. But apart from that, 2022 stuff I've been watching was Cobra Kai. Cobra Kai is so bad it's good it is <laughs> so it true. is terrible i laugh my way through it and i love every second of it there has been some quotes in this fourth season that i literally feel like they have resurrected every screenwriter of every action movie in the <laughs> 70s and 80s and gone hey give us you have one line to give before you have to go back to the afterlife give us your best one and then cobra Kai season four is full of them it is so corny it's so it. interesting that Cobra Kai, like all of these seasons have been like 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's like, right? it's very interesting that that is happening, which because because it's it's good. I'm watching the whole thing and I will probably yeah. give it a pretty good high rating. Well, OK, so I guess we sold up why it's 100%. Because Like that it's you know, just nobody's going to give it anything bad. Yeah, no, it's just lots of fun. Like I... I, again, another hypocritical stance. I trash most of the things my partner watches, like reality TV and stuff. And then I can sit down and watch Cobra Kai and chill walk in <laughs> and go, this sucks. You do realize. And I'm like, yeah, but it's fun. 
one man's trash is another man's treasure. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I have yet to watch that, but I have to ask you about Scream. What is your favorite Scream movie of the Ooh. four? Ooh, I, so I will always love the first. I think it gets the meta right without <laughs> being too overboard. Uh, and rewatching it, obviously when you rewatch it and you know who Ghostface is, I guess for those who haven't seen the almost 20 year old Scream film <laughs> or Ghostfaces maybe, uh, they make it so obvious early on. And then you have so much fun <laughs> watching these killers slowly reveal themselves throughout the movie uh and i think a rewatch value of that's great but then i watched scream 4 again last night for the first time since it came out mm -hmm. and that is a fun movie they really got the modern horror like because obviously it's making fun of modern horror and then becomes the thing it's making fun of in a really entertaining way so i think scream 1 and 4 for me they're a bit they can go back and forth I gotta say, I didn't like four when I first saw it, and we did a rewatch last year of the screams. <laughs> Sean had never seen them, so I made yeah, a watch them over October. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and I actually really enjoyed the fourth one much more. Yeah. Um, I was surprised. I have a soft spot for the third one. I don't know why. I Justice like for so three, much. man. Justice I for three. three. <laughs> like three is it's... this goofy, terrible thing that I love. <laughs> yeah, that's and that's what it is. It's like it's it's tough to sit through in parts. But Parker Posey and Courtney Cox, yeah. that duo in that film, is unhinged. They are insane and they are hilarious. I love them together. I will say about the new one, they all look fantastic in this. Oh movie. yeah, oh, like they finally. Oh, God, yeah. I don't know who finally decided to like start doing Courtney Cox hair right, but like she looks really good. That um, is one of the things I noticed in Three: The Bangs. Yep. Not so much. And that's coming from, I had a mullet in my reviews for like three months. Like, I can't talk shit. Like, and I'm here criticizing Courtney Cox's bangs. But they, yeah, they definitely got it right in this one. And I think that we are on track. Uh, when's it releasing down there? Uh, we're getting it next week, 13th. Okay. So, so all our movies come out on a Thursday. So yeah, 13th yeah. next week. So they are, I think it's going to stick because... <laughs> Because uh, as in as Good Morning America goes, so goes the nation. Uh, and David Arquette and Nev Campbell will be on Good Morning America tomorrow morning. So, well, I saw the Twitter discourse about oh they're going to push the release date, yeah. and then I saw the official account post a video with the release date January fourteenth yeah. still. So I think they are doubling down. Which, well, thank God, I'm very. I think excited some about. studios at some point make, and we'll talk about this in a couple minutes. But I think some studios make the um, the judgment of like you know all these mm -hmm. movies are moving. Well, what about what's there for people that do want to go to the theaters and are comfortable? So we're sticking it out. And I think Scream is one of those. It's like, fuck it, we don't know how this is going to do anyway. So no. <laughs> well, I don't know about you up. guys, but I'll be watching the three five five this weekend. Uh, the just <laughs> that's going to be you mean real highly awaited Simon Kinberg <laughs> film? Wow, one of my favorite <laughs> up and coming directors. <laughs> All right, let's jump into the news of the week, and we have some breaking news breaking news that i'm extremely excited about um so i didn't put this on the list earlier because there wasn't much to really talk about but ridley scott's movie his next movie is kit bag uh it's the napoleon movie with joaquin oh, phoenix yeah. playing napoleon oh yeah um and uh who was supposed to be jody comer was going to be in that jody comer yeah um jody comer dropped out this afternoon or at least oh. it was reported this afternoon and now the breaking news is that Vanessa Kirby is replacing her. Oh, there you go, buddy. I love I can her. take that. I, I love Vanessa that. Kirby. That's going to be very interesting. Yeah. Now she is, she, she's English, correct? 
Yes. Yeah, I believe so. I just yeah. assume they're English until they're not because that seems to me. Because <laughs> if they're doing great American accents, if they're great American actresses, most likely they're English as well. We need, we need to put like an embargo there or something. Um, you're giving us too many. But <laughs> I mean, that's just great. Like, that's truly like wonderful. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's just, yeah. Coming off an Oscar nomination for her gut wrenching performance in Pieces of a Woman. Oh. Oh, man. Yeah, true. Love that movie. All right. So let's get into our actual uh, outline and what we were planning on talking about. And this goes well with the conversation we were just having about Scream. So Morbius is a movie, apparently. Uh, <laughs> I don't believe it exists. Uh, it's, not, it is, it's not. <laughs> it is now in line with the new mutants. It has been moved seven times. Uh, it was supposed to come out in July, July of 20, June or July of 2020. Um, and anyway, it was just moved to April 1st. There's a lot of discussion about why. It, yeah. The first thought was that it was moved because of Omicron and uh, the, the caseload in America really shooting up. Um, the Then everyone started saying they're totally adding Andrew Garfield into this movie, right? They're going to throw some scenes in with him and blah, blah, blah. But then Deadline's story actually made a lot more grounded sense, which, you know, good mm. for them. That's why I read them more than anyone else. Um, <laughs> But Deadline said that part of it is because Spider-Man is still doing so well at the box office. They don't want to kind of you know eat themselves oh, by putting another movie right. in there and draw away from it, um, right. which completely makes sense. But yeah. um, is this a movie, Nick, that you're excited about? <laughs> no, just start with, is this a movie, first of all? <laughs> yeah. Well, number one, is this a real movie? <laughs> uh, no. And secondly, <laughs> no. Um, I Look, I... I'm not excited for this at all. I've seen the trailer like twice. I I just don't care. Like I don't I don't know why. I'm normally like I'm more than happy to give everything a shot, but this is just one movie that I feel like Sony could just if they're moving it for the the Spider-Man money reason, like yeah, sure. But if it's because Omicron and stuff. Just sell it to Netflix. I just want to, I'd rather watch it at home. <laughs> to be totally honest, just sell it to Netflix. I, so great. I, so just sell it. Just sell it. Um, but I mean, it's one of those things where the Andrew Garfield thing. I was like, okay, but then I'm like, it wouldn't take three months to shoot a little cameo or like a scene or two. They managed what they've they've done all the Doctor Strange reshoots in like a month or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't take that long to do it. So I'm a little less on that. That's the truth. So, hey. um, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness is what you're talking about. The movie that is apparently clocking in at about three hours long as of right now. I uh, thought it was three hours before the Marvel <laughs> Studios logo comes up and then we've got another <laughs> nine hours of movie after that. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Mephisto confirmed. Um, Sean, Morbius. Um, I don't know. What, 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 this, is, this is a movie where the central character is a Spider-Man villain that no one's ever heard of, starring Jared Leto, which is just like, you know, nobody wants any portion of this. And the Academy I, does. Oscar winner, Jared Leto. Oh, God. That, and probably nominee. <laughs> um, I... I just look at this and I say that this is getting delayed. My, my conspiracy theory of this getting delayed is they keep on delaying it so that it keeps on making headlines. And so therefore, yeah. you know, it's, it's starting to build, you know, some like, you know, some real excitement. And then some people will go to see it. Finally, we're going to be able to see Morbius and they'll leave a half an hour in. But uh, yeah, <laughs> that's one third of the movie. 
<laughs> it's only an hour and a half. <laughs> I actually done that. You know what? This this is now my most anticipated film. Ninety minute film. Props, best picture of the year. <laughs> props to Sony. An hour and a half of Venom. Let there be carnage. Like, yep. and I, I didn't like that movie either. But I was like, <laughs> I'm so glad it's only ninety minutes. Give me ninety minutes of Morbius. Even I know Spidey was two and a half hours, but it was a fast two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. Sony have got it down. Make yeah. ninety. Make more ninety minute movies. Superhero movies, at least. I'm with you there. I will say the last time there was a character or the, a Sony Spider-Man character that I wasn't interested in or didn't really care too much about. And then the movie ended up being a blast was the first Venom for me. Oh, yeah. Um, right. yeah. So I am hoping that this goes that way. I actually enjoy the trailer and I just don't know. Maybe that's because they've been showing it to us for a year and a half and I've watched it like 35 times. <laughs> You've been that I have whittled to love down it. by <laughs> yeah. slightly different head. Michael Keaton cadence of the voice. Hey, Doc, maybe <laughs> we should look again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but I, hey, a movie that I don't really care about. Sometimes they're the best ones to go see because whatever happens, happens. Yeah, you so. kind of let your inhibitions go a little bit, mm-hmm. and you can have a lot more fun yeah. with it. Yeah. So hopefully that's Morbius. With you there, I don't. I just don't have a lot of confidence in that actually happening. All right. So the next story here is that uh, you may remember a little movie called Ghostbusters Afterlife that came out this past year. Uh, and it is going to be heading to a an eight disc ultimate box set uh, that's being released here in the U.S. in February, I believe. Um, the eight, I'm not accounting for the eight discs, but I will tell you what's missing from them. Um, <laughs> uh, so essentially, here's what's going on with that. It's going to have all the movies, a lot of behind the scenes stuff. The I think an original cut of the first film, um, a lot of random stuff, of course, as people. Uh, who love Ghostbusters will probably flock to the stores to get it. Um, but one thing it will not have is 2016's Ghostbusters on disc. Um, and Paul Feig is a little ticked about it, which, I, spoiler, I kind of agree with. Um, so regardless of how you felt about the 2016 version, which I actually had fun with, I think people had like shit on it for so long uh, and I hadn't seen it. And then when I finally did, I was like, oh, whatever, like, it's not great. It's not terrible. I had fun. Um, but Paul Feig tweeted at Sony Pictures, uh, which is the preferred method of communication today, <laughs> and said, I know this must be a mistake. We do have lots of fans, and Bill, Dan, Ernie were in it, and it won the Kids' Choice Award for Best Feature Film the year it came out. So I guess this was just an oversight. Uh, and Sony has since reportedly made the decision to include a digital version of the movie. <laughs> like a little tag on the back. That's yeah. worse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, but Sean, what what are your thoughts with this? Like, even if I mean, it's it's it was a critically panned movie for the yeah. most part, but it's still a movie in the Ghostbusters realm, right? I, I will I will confess, I did not see this movie when it came out. It was not due to protest like some. It was due to just complete lack of interest, and you know, it just came and went, and then all of a sudden, it was gone out of theaters, and I couldn't handle it anymore. Um, I think that it's uh, ridiculous. Uh, this is not in the box set, though. Um, it's a Ghostbusters movie. It has the original cast of Ghostbusters, just like you said. And then, of course, Feig's being funny with the Kids' Choice Award thing. Or maybe he's not. I don't know. That seems like a little Feig comment at the end, <laughs> like just being yeah. a smartass. Um, but uh, I look at this and, uh, you know, I, I, I don't understand what this is. Like, because, yeah, I guess it's overt sexism. Like, I guess that's what we just call it. Um, I don't like doing that. I don't like playing that game, but what the hell else could this be where afterlife is on it, where, you know, they're, they're on this for the same amount of screen time. It, it doesn't really make any like sense that this is on a a box set. You're putting another DVD in a box set. It has those cast members in it. They're not the main characters, but they're not the main characters in afterlife. 
And so like this really doesn't make any sense. Um, once again, haven't seen it, but regardless of quality, it could be shit. I mean, the, there's the nine films of the Star Wars that are in DVD box sets. I think I don't know. Maybe DVDs <laughs> don't exist anymore. But like, there's like, like there's there, there's nine there, and they put all nine in. And some of those movies are really bad. And who cares? Because it's the nine movies that are involved in the story. Now, it's not like there's a Ghostbusters mythos of a story where if I miss the 2016 one, I won't understand what's happening. <laughs> but still, those are the characters that are involved. They're still there. They're still involved. It seems like this is just like just dumb optics. Um, and it's funny that Feig tweeted Sony. He could have just emailed them and that email would have gotten leaked and that would have been fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> North Korea is like, we got another one. <laughs> you see news here. I, I totally agree with that. I think that one of the things that drives me a little crazy here is that like you're only hurting yourselves because it does have fans. That movie has fans. And, you know, clearly, like, especially the Kids' Choice Awards are actually kind of a big deal mm -hmm. because think about how many stars go there. Um, yeah. It's Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon's like the premier kids network uh, for or at least that age group that this movie is appropriate for. But it, you're you're only hurting yourself by not including it because you may have lost out on sales that you otherwise would have gotten. So yeah. stupid, stupid, stupid. But Nick, what are your thoughts on this? I look to go off what Sean was saying about whether the movie's shit or not. Controversial opinion. To me, Ghostbusters Two is shit. So don't include oh, that is. one on there either. So like, you know what I mean? Like if, if that's the reason they're like, oh, it didn't do so well. It's like, well, yeah, okay. Get rid of Ghostbusters 2 from there. Cause that is not a good movie. But I was, I'm similar to you, Joe. I, the trailer for Ghostbusters 2016, I remember sitting in, I remember sitting in a packed theater watching that trailer and no one laughed. And I was like, oh, okay. This could be a train wreck of a movie. And it was kind of fun. Like yeah. I didn't didn't love it by any means. It's not my favorite Ghostbusters movie. It's not my favorite comedy, but it's a Paul Feig comedy. He rarely misses. He's a pretty pretty damn good director. Uh, and it's it was the same sort of style of Ghostbusters humor that it's just like it's okay for kids, but leans a little bit towards that older demographic. So it was a lot of fun to be have for a, for an older than a child audience. But at the same time, it's. I can't really add anything else. It's <laughs> in the universe. It's in the Ghostbusters universe. It was a reasonably successful film. It wasn't the biggest box office bomb that it potentially could have been. And there's enough fans out there who will buy that box set based on the fact that it's that movie's in there 100%. And if it's a, di a digital code on the back, like... <laughs> that's, that's bad. That's, that's kind of worse. I, if that's I was so Sony, bad. I would have just been like... Hey, but we're actually going to release a special edition of the movie on its own. Like, yeah, they right. could put a bit of effort into it and not just be like, hey, here's 16 characters to put on your iTunes that you'll forget about in 10 days. Like, that, that to me seems a little bit more insulting. So, <laughs> good on Paul Feig for sticking up for it, man. Good on him. I love Paul Feig. I don't know why. He's just, Same. he seems like one of the good ones in Hollywood. Spy is one of the best comedies of the last 10 oh years, God. and no one can change my mind on that. It is so, so good. Spy, that was the one with uh, Melissa McCarthy and yeah. Rose Byrne and Jason Statham and Jude Law. Are you thinking of oh. I Spy right now with Owen Wilson and Eddie Murphy? And Eddie Murphy. <laughs> just Wait, a single eye and that, that goes the other way. <laughs> no, I think, I, I, I think. I think I'm thinking of the one with, um, uh, oh Sandra my God. Hate, yeah. hate, yeah. Or That's hate, whatever it is, yeah. Now, Spy is, is easily one of the best comedy movies of the last 10 years. I don't think I ever saw it. Um, oh, oh, oh you'll love God. it. You'll, so you'll love it. 
Okay, Just I will watch you, that. Love it. Yeah, <laughs> I will watch that before next week. Sean, your homework is you have to watch 2016 Ghostbusters by next week. Mm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I see some of the things you watch. It's like someone what really wins here and today. someone kind of loses a little bit. I got, I got to dig my way through that Criterion channel, baby. Oh my god. Um, quick aside here, I guess the Peacemaker uh, uh, embargo lifted, and the first headline I saw is. Peacemaker review: The Suicide Squad spinoff may be James Gunn's vulgar, violent masterpiece. Oh, uh, I can't wait! <laughs> I did not expect that. I didn't either. But I will tell I you was... that the most recent trailer they released on New Year's New Year's was hilarious. Okay, absolutely hilarious. Oh, okay, I'm excited. Um, all right, let's move on. Um, so I don't know if you guys have heard of this series called Fast and Furious. Um, that's on Criterion Channel, isn't it? It's on yeah. Criterion Channel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All nine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Grease Lightning. Um, it is... Uh, uh, anyway, so there's been a feud going on between Dwayne Johnson and Vin Diesel. Uh, apparently, it goes back to the 2016 film The Fate of the Furious, where Vin Diesel was giving Johnson tough love to get the best performance out of him, which is a thing from Vin Diesel, who... <laughs> is you know stoic and everything he does but anyway um over the summer so the report was that Dwayne Johnson was done he wasn't returning as Luke Hobbs in the series Diesel took to social media over the summer to plead with Johnson to return uh part of what he said was I say this out of love but you must show up do not leave the franchise idle you have a very important role to play Hobbs can't be played by no other I hope that you rise to the occasion and fulfill your destiny that last line I was like that's not the way to go brother like that's <laughs> rise to the occasion um long story short fulfill your destiny a little bit dramatic Dwayne Johnson was talking to CNN as he does uh and uh he said he was firm yet cordial with his words and told Johnson over the summer or when they spoke in person uh that quote I would always be supportive of the cast and always root for the franchise to be successful successful but that there was no chance I would return um, part of the other thing he took issue with was that there was reference to Paul Walker, uh, the late Paul Walker, as well as Diesel's own children. And uh, Johnson said that that was manipulative, which I just doing Johnson's like, no, I'm not going to deal with that manipulative baby. And I love that. Um, but anyway, that apparently they're doing what a two part finale, like the 10th and 11th yeah. films are going to be a two part finale. But uh, Nick, is this one that you will be, you know, trying to get those early screeners for because you're so excited for the franchise? Or I don't know if you were on my Twitter the last two days, but I've been publicly campaigning for Roland Emmerich's, Emmerich's Moonfall. I did see that. Um, <laughs> very much, very heavily campaigning. Because me. every time you would send me a message, Nick, I was like, "Who is this Roland Emmerich's Moonfall account? Why am I getting messages from?" <laughs> There's this, there's this weird fan account for Moonfall <laughs> trying to get into yeah. my DMs. Um, but it's been a very successful campaign. I've had uh, both the Moon, official Moonfall account and Roland Emmerich be tweeting, retweeting and liking and, and whatnot. And I plan on doing the same for Fast and Furious 10 Part 1 next year. Uh, look, I love the Fast and Furious movies. I was probably like one of six people in the world who actually enjoyed Fast and Furious 9 for how awful mm -hmm. it was yeah. uh the fact that they went to space was I, I literally was like a kid in a theater i was two step like two seconds away from like clapping my hands like an annoying cinema goer uh but i kind of agree with dwayne johnson <laughs> on this one i vin diesel 
seems like he's the sort of guy who is probably very genuine and doesn't really intend to be manipulative, I guess. I don't think he actually thinks that's what he's doing. Uh, but he does it well, I'll say that. Um, and I kind of agree with Dwayne. I, I, I don't think we need him back. He's got his own stuff going on. I don't know if you guys know this. The Rock's busy. He's, he's a busy dude. <laughs> he's got a couple of things going on. Uh, and the last, like, I didn't notice his absence in Fast 9. And I'm ready for this series to wrap up. And I think they've got enough people in there, enough people who actually care about in this series to wrap it up with. So I'm, 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 I'm good. He can stay out of it. I think you just gave Vin Diesel the most credit he's ever received. I, yeah, look... <laughs> If it means um, I get to interview him next year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I look forward to that interview. He has I the emotional so intelligence much. of a potato. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think his problem is he's extremely selfish and he puts himself in yeah. these movies in such a way where he has to look kind of perfect in every way. And if you see like, you know, flat out the way these movies are done, it's like he is, you know, the hero in all of them. He doesn't like get punched in all of them. He doesn't like get like beaten up in the proper way. He is right. like above it all. And so it's probably very difficult to work with him on the other side. Dwayne Johnson's probably got that gigantic ego as well. And I, I yeah. look at, you know, like th those two just could not be able to be in a movie together. Their feud is so friggin' dumb. It's, it's so dumb. They could just, it's like not, it's not based off of anything. It's like based off of like one guy giving the other guy advice and him getting mad about the advice. And therefore then they both get mad about each other's advice. And it's like, okay, like <laughs> you guys are in a fast and the furious movie. Don't act. Don't do it. No one wants to see it. Like it's just not. If you, if you want to see bad acting in Fast and Furious, go do the Fast and the Furious ride in Universal Studios. And I've seen a video of this. I've seen someone film it, and that looks like the best worst experience. Like no. I would want to be so I intoxicated sat there in on it. that. I sat no. there like this the whole time, <laughs> just looking around. It was horrendous. It was absolutely horrendous. I think what's interesting to me, two things here, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I think you got, I know that you guys have seen the Fast and the Furious movies, um, and I have not seen all of them because I don't care. But um, the, it seems like Vin Diesel thinks he's the centerpiece of all those movies where that's not the intent. Correct? Like the yeah, car correct. is the centerpiece. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, Paul Walker clearly was the lead of the series yeah. before. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> well, define the series. Cause yes, he was the lead of the series when it was, when it was uh, the first movie and it was a point break ripoff remake. <laughs> uh, and then from there, all of a sudden it's just like, all right. So Paul Walker's in that he's the lead again. And then all of a sudden, yeah, it just turns into the two of them being friends. And then, you know, unfortunately tragedy strikes. And so Vin Diesel does sort of take, that mantle but he was he was inching his way in there and now he is entirely in there yeah the other point though is that with Dwayne Johnson it's I don't think any of this would have come to light if Vin Diesel didn't share it like it seems like right. if you're talking about who's being the bigger man here yeah. like Dwayne Johnson was like probably said like you know fuck you behind the scenes or whatever yeah and now Vin Diesel's like still hurt about it and is still trying to make amends by tweeting at him which you know makes a lot of sense <laughs> Well, it's it's his way of making one public cry to like embarrass uh, Dwayne Johnson into doing this, yeah. and Johnson's like, "Dude, no! Yeah. <laughs> like, do you, do you know who I am? Yeah. Like, do you, I'm the Jumanji four and five is on the way. Please, <laughs> all I have to do is like pick up Kevin Hart, and we'll make a little comedy somewhere." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
the ultimate fuck you to Vin Diesel would be if he does get Kevin Hart and they do make a car-centric action film in about five years from now. Oh, that would be wonderful. I would watch the piss out of that. I <laughs> slow and steady. <laughs> That's what it should be. The, the Rock would fund that. He'd be like, I have $100 million spared. This is a piss take. This is where, this will not go anywhere, but I'll spend $100 million on this. Directed by Ross and Thurber. <laughs> <laughs> this is a take. Someone tweet this. Oh, um, speaking of, uh, I don't even have a transition for this. Nope. Josh Hartnett's still around. Uh, and he uh, has just been cast in Oppenheimer, the Christopher Nolan epic that people are already mm. declaring the best movie of 2023. Uh, he joins Emily Blunt, <laughs> Matt Damon, Robert Downey Jr., Florence Pugh, Rami Malek, Killian Murphy, uh, and this is the movie about um, Oppenheimer, who was the scientist who ran the Manhattan Project that led to the creation of the atom bomb. Sean, Josh Hartnett, if I gave you a list of actors from the 90s and early 2000s and said, who do you think Chris Nolan's going to go after? Would Josh Hartnett be on that list? I don't know if is Josh Hartnett even on that list? Like there's no, like there's no even like close to like the realm of possibility of like him picking him off of that. Um, Hartnett has made his huge comeback though with uh, his eighth male lead in wrath of man. Um, <laughs> we know that he is now in the, in the short running. I mean, honestly in wrath of man, he played a complete idiot and it was kind of fun to watch. And it was a little bit goofy as well as that's what Wrath of Man was, um, just a little bit goofy. But I, I'm looking forward to him maybe coming back in some sort of mature capacity in this. But, uh, uh, I mean, this is just like we're going we're gonna to hear about 10 more. This was like back when we did the Knives Outcasting, where every week it was like more Knives Outcasting news. And they were like, oh, yes, uh, the corpse of Fred Rogers is in this one. And it was just like, <laughs> it's like okay, <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I, I'm out of takes. <laughs> Yeah. What about you, Nick? What are your thoughts on Josh Hartnett being like? I, I the biggest thing I take away from this is me thinking that Christopher Nolan has watched Wrath of Man, and I kind of love that. <laughs> that every, like everything angle. that Christopher Nolan would have watched in twenty twenty, it was that dire for movies in twenty twenty that Chris Nolan's like, I'll watch, I'll watch Wrath of Man, and he's like. Out of everyone in that movie, that Josh Hartnett, ooh, that real, that real misogynistic character, Josh Hartnett. If we find out that Holt Michelini is uh, going to be cast next in Oppenheimer, <laughs> we know it was Wrath of Man that he watched. We know it was Wrath of Man. <laughs> I, I look. I mean, it's. I don't really. Tenet burned me enough that I was like, okay, we'll just see what happens with like. And you, with the Knives Out thing, casting news doesn't really excite me anymore unless it's, like, a lead in, like, a movie that I'm excited to see. Yeah. So I'm like, look, he might even just be a bit role. He might be, like, he might come in, he might walk in and see John Oppenheimer or whatever his first name is and be like, hey, here's that paper of nuclear science you asked for and then walk out. Like, we don't know, so... <laughs> Well, listen, if, if we're going to talk about casting exciting you, let's jump to this story and we'll see if this is a leading actor that could excite you in a store in a, a fil upcoming film. Chris Evans is rumored to be playing Gene Kelly in an untitled film. Uh, and it's an original idea that was conceived by Chris Evans per deadline. Um, it's about the a 12 year old boy who works on the MGM lot in 1952 and begins to create an imagined friendship with the legendary movie star Kelly while working on his next film. Ryan Johnson is behind yeah. it as well. Wait, really? That's cool. For that last part? Yeah, as a producer, yeah. 
Swear to God. Oh, it's a producer. Okay. Um, <laughs> I thought you meant as a director. Um, they haven't named still. the director yet. Uh, but um, the script is going to be written by three-time Academy Award nominee John Logan. Oh, uh, that's he's great yeah. screenwriter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is a very uh, weird premise, but I'm like in I'm sort of with it. Yeah. Like it's very weird. Like the fact that it's going to be like an imaginary friend type of thing. But um, I'm 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 the most interested in Chris Evans playing you know uh, Gene Kelly because Gene Kelly is not like. Well, let's Chris Evans is more handsome than Gene Kelly. And I'm trying to like place this down, but they're both really damn suave. But Gene Kelly is just kind of like made more out of like a block of bricks and you know, just got like this like sort of stone <laughs> face to him. And I'm really interested to see where this goes. Like, do they that's just America's ass? Exactly. Damn right. That's what I mean. <laughs> like, and I'm, I'm I'm wondering if they like try to like uh, do they throw some cake on him or do they just, you know. Do they just make it a younger Gene Kelly? I'm I'm really interested of what where they go. I'm I'm fascinated. I, I like the idea of Chris Evans. He's got the suave nature. I'm in. I will say that uh, Deadline picked two pictures that are really good here because they're both kind of making the same facial expression with the high cheeks and stuff. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> that's pretty well done. Uh, Nick, is this one of the, an example of one of those castings that gets you excited? It is. It really is. And because I think Chris Evans being sort of behind the this film coming together, like yeah. just outside of acting as well, kind of gives me that passion project sort of vibe. Okay. And that's something I can really I can really get around. I think, you know, we have de-aging technology now. I think this mm-hmm. can be the first time they've ever had to use de-handsoming uh, technology by the sounds <laughs> of it. Um, and it's Gene, Gene Kelly's not an style. ugly dude, I should say. Gene Kelly is still an attractive <laughs> guy. I'm making him sound <laughs> absolutely awful, but, uh, but like, he's a handsome dude. to Chris Evans. Oh, he was a handsome dude. Like, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> Gene Kelly was a handsome dude. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. This, I, I, this it's different be... than Chris Evans. I'm just comparing him to Chris yeah. Evans. <laughs> That's what I think gets me excited more than Chris Evans. I think, but only just, only just. Oh holy shit! Sean okay, this Gene is Kelly's ugly. ugly. I didn't say Gene Kelly. <laughs> Look at that. If that's not like a '50s Depression era American face, that like that, that face waited in a breadline. Like you know, that's the kind of like thing. <laughs> Chris Evans was fed baby food and formula until yeah, yeah. he was 25. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> like I'm not gonna take this anymore. <laughs> I don't know where I, I'm going. I don't either. So we're just gonna move on to our last story of the night, uh, and this is that Tobin Bell who. Uh, originated the role of Jigsaw in the 84,043 Saw movies, uh, is rumored <laughs> to be coming back after sitting out the last two. Last two? Last one. Was he in the... No, was no, he in the, Jigsaw? No. no I, I couldn't remember. Um, spiral? Spiral, no, but Jigsaw not. was the one before that that was sort okay. of like the, the eighth. It's a long story. He wasn't in Jigsaw <laughs> even though he's Jigsaw? He so he's inspired. not in Jigsaw, but he inspires Jigsaw because Jigsaw is set before Saw 1, which also takes place at the same time as Saw 2. But then Saw 3 kind of goes a little bit after that, taking place in the same time. Sorry, I, I, I can Listen, this is a commitment, this series. <laughs> this what is a the commitment. hell is going on? I've seen the first one and the Chris Rock version. <laughs> and now I want to go to bed. <laughs> I enjoyed the Chris Rock one. Um, I did <laughs> Uh, so they, of course, they're working on another one because the uh, quote-unquote torture porn movie uh, that Saul is is a popular concept, and the most recent one in 2021 did surprisingly well. Yeah. Um, 
The rumor is that Tobin Bell is being eyed to return as John Kramer slash Jigsaw in an upcoming movie. They had teased in the past that this would be called Saw X because uh, it's the ten the tenth uh, film. Yeah. Um, but uh, essentially what they are planning, according to sources, and this is from the site One Take News, never heard of them, not knocking them, just haven't heard of them, but this is being cited in a lot of different stories. Uh, the sources are saying that the film will be, the story will be told from John Kramer's point of view, as opposed to the uh, following the trap victims, and that it's planned to take place prior to Saw 3, Um Although they don't know that they couldn't find out when specifically. Um, very interesting. Uh, there, he was teased a little bit ago where I guess they, I, I don't know if it was writers and a producer, at least the writers from, uh, for the next project of Saul were showing like the script that they were working on and said, Tobin Bell fans will be really happy or Jigsaw fans will be really happy. So listen, I'm going to go to you, Nick, cause you are the resident Saul <laughs> fanatic. Uh, I very much enjoy the series, but I think you might take the cake on this one. What does this excite you that he could be uh, coming back to the series that he made famous? This, this excites me. The casting news excites me. It's what the story could potentially be that I'm kind of a bit more excited about. Yeah. Because that's... Saw has one of the... Like, it is one of the lucky sort of franchises that no matter what it does, it can get away with it because it established how ridiculous it was early on. Like, the twist in the first Saw movie, you go, oh, it's just been this guy dead on the ground the whole time who was the killer then you can do whatever you want then for the next <laughs> 10 movies. So the fact that we're going to be like, and let's not forget for most of Saw 3 and 4 and 5, John Kramer's in a hospital bed. So if there's going to be some shenanigans happening where he wasn't always in the bed, sign me up. I'm That that to me is what I would get more excited about. Plus get him back. You know, he, I mean, like knock on wood again. He's, he's old. This could be like one of the last Saw movies he does because it's a physical role. He's got to run around and hit machines that slice people up. Like it's a very taxing sort of thing to do for an elderly gentleman. So, <laughs> elderly gentleman. <laughs> I hope so he has a double. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's Tobin Bell. I, I, I think I would know. Um, I, I think get him in. It's a good way. Spiral obviously sort of rejuvenated the franchise a bit, and then this is definitely could be a bit more of a way to. Like they're doing, like Scream, for example, bringing everyone back. It's time to bring back an original character and, and sort of give the franchise a bit more juice. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I agree with you there. I'm in, I'm interested to see what angle they take with it, just because I think that he has always been a fascinating character for the, the manipulation. I mean, we just talked about manipulation with Vin Diesel, but uh, <laughs> yeah. intentionally smart manipulation coming from Tobin Bell uh mm. in his portrayal as Jigsaw. So I'm excited to see that. Um, Sean, your thoughts on bringing back a character like this? I don't know. I mean, you, you guys explained to me the process of this this whole movie series, and I just got a cavity with listening. So, um, I, like when <laughs> uh, when I think of something like this, I like the idea. As someone who has seen like the first one and the most recent, I'm a little bit off on the, like what has happened <laughs> since then. Um, I will try to watch these movies. I, I plan to eventually. And I, when this one comes out, it seems like this will be interesting enough that I would be like fascinated to dive in. And that would bring in new fans, which is cool. I mean, that's what the scream, the new scream did is like you were saying, mm. just brings in new fans. And, um, you know, because I was someone that wasn't going to watch four Scream movies. Obviously not. Why would I watch four of, like, you know, Scream movies? Why do I need to do that? And I'm very glad I did. And now I'm going to be watching the fifth one coming up. 
But yeah, just to go back to the jigsaw, if these are going to now be in the premise of like, you know, through his perspective or through his own head and stuff like that, it's you're exploring a character that everyone has loved and everyone has been right. fascinated by. And right. that's like something big. Like if we want to, you know, this this is something I don't actually recommend. But if we want to explain like the Silence of the Lambs, but now it's all through like Hannibal's perspective. I bet they've done some dumb shit movie like that before. So I'm not even going <laughs> to do that. But like, you know, that's, that's something that people will be fascinated by and interested yeah. by if it is done you know in the correct ways yeah yep can't disagree with that and that doesn't have to be in a good way with the mm. soul franchise like it can also <laughs> be a trash movie as but as long as we get like a little bit extra john kramer in there then i think that suffices yeah i want to see pompey from the perspective of one of the horses that was trying to like run away but was tied up or something like i think that would be really fascinating um i think that in the spirit of 2022 and a new year we skip over rants and raves tonight what do you think about that I- I I didn't have one because I'm just you know feeling good except for you know having extra coverages uh, at uh, work. But yeah, yeah, you you did write my bladder in the outline because I'm assuming <laughs> that you have to pee. Uh, um, I, no 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 no, uh, that's not peeing now. That's uh, me having to pee like three different three times a movie now. Um, but it <laughs> happens when you turn forty. No, um, it's the diet cokes. Um, but <laughs> every time I go to the theater and I order a small water and they're like, it's only a dollar more for a large. I'm like, I can't do a large. Like, you know what this is. <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> I'll take it. Um, let's talk about what's coming out this, this week. Uh, at least in the U S we should, we should also recognize that that uh, theatrical releases are different throughout the world. Um, poor Canada is not getting anything right now oh, because no. they yeah. just shut down because of COVID. <laughs> I'm going to miss out on 355. <laughs> I, hey, listen, I am one. That movie came out of nowhere, and I'm wondering <laughs> if it's going to just end up being like one of those fun action films, right? Could be. I feel the exact. It could be. I'm. I'm. I'm probably going to see it just like on pure interest. But man, did that trailer suck! <laughs> I didn't think so. Anyway, the 355 <laughs> hits theaters. A hero hits limited theaters. American Siege, which is another Bruce Willis movie, hits VOD and digital. <laughs> see for me hits limited theaters saw that during ooh, tiff maybe uh toronto international film festival i didn't love it it's a really interesting premise though um so do recommend checking it out but uh was not my was not my favorite it doesn't mean that other people won't love it uh and the commando hits limited theaters i have no idea what that's about um so there's that um nick please tell everyone where they can find you I'm on Instagram at Nick's Flicks Fix. Uh, that's why I do 60 second movie reviews because uh, I have the attention span of 60 seconds most times. So <laughs> and I figured most other people will too. Um, so I'm on there. And then all my links, I also write for a company in Australia called Nova Stream Network. Um, so all my written reviews and interviews are on there and at crprights.com as well. Uh, writing and filming and I'm excited for, 2022 movies are like starting to come in yes, screenings are. Are to come in next week so i'm very excited we're off to the races with it we want to thank you so much for being here i mentioned that we've been trying to get you on for a while or been planning on getting you on for a while no, i uh, appreciate it thank you for having me on and it's just so awesome that you know we can that people like us can get together doing what we do with the movies over the internet from across the world really and i know uh, and work technically it out. in the future right now like if most people are, so and tell you what it's the same. Nothing's changed oh. in the last couple of hours. That is it getting it. worse? <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just look outside. Yeah. Is it just getting don't worse? open your windows. You'll be fine. That sounds I good. I don't have to be in the future to know that it's getting worse. <laughs> it's getting worse. 
mathematically, <laughs> yeah. we know how this goes. Things are getting worse. <laughs> Aliens, it is time. We don't deserve this planet anymore. Please Let us watch Scream first. And maybe this new Saw movie and then Boom. aliens come someone, yeah. someone tweeted, listen, I know that Omicron's really bad and I understand they may have to delete, or delete, delay screen, uh, a screen. Oh yeah, delay screen. But like, uh, can they do it after I have my screening? Yeah. <laughs> you monster. I didn't say that. Someone else said that. Oh, okay. I thought it was you. You monster. You apologize now. I or wasn't even save, listening, to be honest with you. Or just save it for next week. <laughs> Nick, thanks again. Sean, see you later. And thanks, we Nick. are out. Bye, Joe. So for those of you still watching on the, the stream, I just hit the opening instead of the closing. So we're going to do some post-editing, <laughs> but here's the closing. See you guys. As always, thanks for listening. You can follow both Joe and Sean on Instagram at Guy at the Movies and Math Teacher Movies. New episodes of the Guy at the Movies podcast with Joe and Sean are available every Wednesday morning, wherever you get your podcasts. Also, be on the lookout for special spoiler pods, where we dive deep into the latest film releases. If you like what you hear, be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. See you next time.